What's going on, guys? So in today's podcast, I am going to discuss some players that I would suggest you buy low on and then some guys that I would suggest you sell high on. So I'm trying to do this every week, and um, I'm trying to also like not repeat myself so much, only if I really think that I need to reemphasize someone as a uh, buy low or sell high candidate, I'm, I'm going to repeat them, But so you, especially on a back-to-back week. So I'm trying to mix it up a little bit and give you more of a you know, paint the full picture because not everybody's going to be able to do, you know, either buy or sell on all these guys. So um, anyways, the idea of this is I'm going to try and buy a player at a perceived value that I think is is at least significantly less than what that guy can be moving forward. And I just, the way I kind of prioritize these is to pick a guy that I feel like has his perceived value is so low and it doesn't have to be like necessarily like he's just awful, but his perceived value based on the way he's played recently and just kind of try to put myself in the mind of that fantasy owner and see what they're thinking about. Because inevitably, as fantasy as fantasy players, we have a guy on our team and he's been a little suspect. Right. And, and, he, and we kind of have this like really lack of confidence in that player. Like we're not we are not confident in him. And then it, it kind of screws with our ability to evaluate our, our um, player moving forward because then we just think, I don't trust him, you know? And, and then you just think like, man, fuck this guy, right? <laughs> so that kind of ruins the whole thing. And it allows, what that is, is that's allowing a emotion, an emotional response, like your insecurity about that player and, and or your anger at the, about that player and your uncertainty about that player and it and it screws with your ability to come with, come up with a logical expectation moving forward. And what we're trying to do here is we're trying to take advantage of that, right? We're trying to keep our level head for our own players and then we're trying to understand our opponent and take advantage of that where we can. So, anyways, we'll start off I'm going to read off the buy low guys and I'm going to after I read the name, I'm going to just give you a, you know, my reasoning for each one. So this one, my first guy is a wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints, Michael Thomas. So this guy is almost the perfect representation of what a buy low candidate looks like. Fantasy owners that that have Michael Thomas on their team right now, if they drafted him, they have a guy that they spent a top five or six or seven pick on. And they've literally gotten nothing from him the entire season because the first game against the Saints, he did nothing. And then he, um, he's he been hurt basically off and on ever since, but really hasn't done much, right? So uh, the other part of that is, so real quick, let me just revert back to what I just said. So when you have a guy like that, that you've invested such a high uh, investment into, and he's done nothing, that means that when you look at his name in your starting lineup, you're not feeling good about it, right? You're like, you're, you're all the above. You're not confident. You're angry at him. You're, you know, you're insecure about what he's going to do for you. And and now couple that with the fact that Drew Brees is out for at least a few weeks, and it might even be the entire season, honestly, or at least the entire fantasy season. And you've got a quote unquote backup quarterback in now for the Saints. So you're, you're really like ready to panic and just get rid of this guy. You don't want him on your team anymore. You don't want to have to look at his name on your on your fantasy roster and and have to, you know, depend on him for points, right? So the flip side of that is for Michael Thomas, if you guys have forgotten, I hope you haven't. Um this guy's been the wide receiver one in fantasy for like the last two or three years even. I mean, he's been up there, right? So he's a very 
consistent fantasy player when he's healthy. You know, and the only time we haven't seen him healthy is this year. So here's my thing. I got I took a lot of shit from this for saying that Jameis Winston could potentially be an upgrade over Drew Brees. I said that on social media the other day. And what I mean is right now, and Drew's playing much better than I originally thought he was or thought he would. Um, based on the first, I think, two games of the season, he wasn't playing very well. And then he just, Drew Brees is just so damn great that what he can do is, even though he can't threaten anybody deep, for the most part, right? he really can't threaten you deep, he's still able to carve teams up in the, in the shallow to intermediate parts of the field. And then you couple Drew Brees with Sean Payton, and you just get, you know, this super efficient quarterback. He's not really a fantasy quarterback right now. I mean, most weeks, at least. And, um, but... What he was and what he is, if he if he gets back on the field this year, is a very efficient quarterback, right? What Jameis Winston is is a dynamic quarterback. Look, if you're worried about if you when you when you evaluate Jameis Winston, if you say, "Oh, dude, he throws so many picks," and that's your criticism of him, that's fair. But here's where I'll counter that with you: if he throws picks, who cares? It literally doesn't matter. The fact that if we're just talking fantasy right now, because that's what this whole podcast is about. If we're just talking fantasy, no matter how many picks Jameis throws, that's good for Michael Thomas. Like if Michael Thomas is on my team, I do not care if Jameis throws three picks every week. Because guess what? The only threat to him throwing three picks every week is the fact that he might get benched. But uh, as long as he doesn't get benched, he'll throw a pick and he'll come back the next series and he'll score a touchdown. Like that's just who he is. You know, I sort of don't think he's going to be as wild in this offense with a, you know, obviously a great offensive mind and play caller and Sean Payton. But I think that when you just think about the upside of Michael Thomas with Jameis Winston as the quarterback, I think that makes Michael Thomas's ceiling higher. And remember, this guy was the wide receiver one last year, right? So uh, a higher ceiling Michael Thomas is a very scary proposition, especially because Opposing defenses have to pay so much attention to Alvin Kamara right now in the pass game because he's just been their entire pass game, essentially. So I don't know. When I look at this, uh, and especially when you you should hear some of the uh, trade offers that I get asked in DMs lately, like, hey, man, should I trade Michael Thomas for, you know, and it's like, a, it's like, whoa, do what? And then they're just like, yeah, dude, I'm just tired of this guy. I don't want to depend on him anymore. And it's exactly what I was describing at the beginning of the podcast. It's like, we need to, if we can, and I know we all do this too. It's not like, you know, I'm saying I don't do this or you don't do this. Like we, we do this too. We, we have our insecurities about our fantasy player and we just want to get him off our roster. And I get that. But I just want you to think logically. If you are in a situation where you have a playoff caliber fantasy team, but you're not crazy about it. Like if you think like, oh, you know, I'm, my team's good. I'm, I'm not quite sure if I'm a, if I'm a, you know, championship winner. I'm just going to tell you now, if you are able to give up somebody like a high end flex option slash low end running back two or wide receiver two for Michael Thomas right now, it is the difference between assuming he hits his ceiling, which I think is a I'd say at least 70% chance that he gets back to something similar to what he's been in recent years when healthy. I think that that's the difference between you winning one playoff game and being out and then winning the whole damn thing, right? Because fantasy, especially in the, you know, where in the playoffs where most teams are good is the, the, the separation is blue chip caliber players. And that's what this guy is. And I think you can buy a blue chip caliber player for a decent player. 
right? Like a solid player. And I think the profit margin in that is huge. All right. Another guy I'm, I'm interested in buying low on is Aaron Jones. Uh, this guy has just one 100-yard rush game in the entire season. First four games of the season, he averaged 20 touches for 127 yards and one and a half touchdowns per game. Since then, 17 touches for 72 yards and uh, 0.3 touchdowns per game. So he's been banged up, and that's really something that I think we should focus on, right? Like, it's not like he's been just out there getting, like, you know, we're, there's another player on the sell side of this thing we're going to talk about later. And this guy's been getting a bunch of touches, but hasn't done anything. Aaron Jones is has just been banged up. So it's not like, you know, he's just struggling or something. It's just, we all know he's going to be just, I'm sorry, he, we all know he's going to be efficient. You know, and also I think his workload is likely to increase as the season goes on and he's more and more healthy. I think that it's very likely to say that even if he's not who he was in the first four games, which was basically the RB1 of fantasy, I think that the RB5 from here on out or even like the RB6 or 7 from here on out is a very likely scenario. And I think you can get him for pretty cheap, you know, pretty cheap uh, value right now. So I, I like Aaron Jones as a buy low. I think that, you know, worst case scenario, in my opinion, is he reverts somewhere in between, like I said, the, who he was in the first four games and who he's been since then. So I would uh, get on that Aaron Jones purchasing as soon as possible. Another guy I like is Jaguars wide receiver DJ Chark. So this guy was not someone that I was necessarily in love with during the preseason fantasy process in terms of trying to like make my you know wide receiver rankings and things like that but and he's really in all honesty I've been mostly you know correct on that like DJ Chark has been somewhat disappointing but over the last two games with Jake Luton as quarterback my guy from Oregon State uh DJ Chark has been targeted 17 times he's caught 11 of them for 202 yards and a touchdown and if you watched the game last week obviously the Jaguars passing offense struggled right against Green Bay. But what I will say is they are getting DJ Chark open in the deep parts of the field. I mean, he's averaging 18 yards a catch with uh, Jake Luton at the helm. So I, I'm interested in the workload. I think the volume's there. The Jaguars have proven that they're mostly going to be losing, right? So that means the opportunity will be a little bit higher than receivers on a winning team. And talent is there. You know, I think Jake Luton's a good quarterback, or if Gardner Minshew comes back, that's fine too. Um, I think Luton gives Chark a little bit more upside because he has a little stronger arm than Minshew. And um, I just think that right now, a DJ Chark owner is rightfully so frustrated. I think two weeks ago or three weeks ago, he had one catch on seven targets. That was Minshew's last game. So when I look at Chark, I just think that, you know, who he was drafted to be is like this you know, explosive wide receiver too, basically, right? And, and he hasn't really been that guy, but he's a, he's had flashes of it and he's had just enough flashes to show a shark like you that is interested in buying low, that that, that possibility is still there of that upside and um, just enough of the consistent kind of disappointment to allow you to purchase him at a significant profit. All right. Next guy on my list here is James Conner. And I know if you're a James Conner owner right now, you are pissed off about starting a guy that was supposed to be your, like, basically running back one, running back two at worst, right, over the last 
uh, two, I mean, I'm sorry, three games. And uh, that's because he's only had 128 yards from scrimmage over the last three games. And two of those games were against Dallas and Cincinnati. However, we don't need to be so short-sighted in our evaluations because from weeks two through seven, he was averaging over 100 yards a game. He had 546 yards from scrimmage and he was averaging five yards a carry. Whereas the last three games, 2.8 yards a carry. I think James Conner, moving forward, is a guy that, look, Pittsburgh last week in a absolute slaughtering of the Cincinnati Bengals scored 36 points. And I think Ben Roethlisberger threw it like maybe 50 times or right around there. So I think that what we can expect from Pittsburgh moving forward is fewer of those 50 pass attempt games from Ben Roethlisberger, especially with the weather getting colder and a few more of the old 20 plus touches for James Conner, you know, and win this game with our defense and, and, uh, and run game. And also of course, a very good quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. So I think that not to say Ben's going to be, you know, mitigated at all, but I just think that James Conner will be a guy that's his usage is going to go up. And I think at this time of the season for a lot of these running backs that we see their touches going down a little bit right now, it really makes sense because the coaching staff could be thinking like, Hey, let's, keep these guys fresh because we're going to need to run the hell out of the ball as the weather gets colder, especially when you're playing in, in, a, in a place like Pittsburgh. So I think James Conner is someone that if you buy low now, you can potentially get a low-end RB1 or high-end, mid-range to high-end RB2. And I think right now, like I said, after three games where he totaled 128 yards from scrimmage and 2.8 per carry, I think right now a, a fantasy owner is probably a little bit frustrated. So I, I would go ahead and snatch up James Conner at a low price while you still can. All right. The next guy on my list is Chris Carson. So he practiced yesterday for one thing. That's very good. Chris Carson, again, not a guy I was super high on this season because he was coming off like a broken hip or something crazy or broken back, whatever it was. It was something scary. But when you look at who he's been, He's been the RB7 and a half PPR fantasy points per game so far this season. And the thing about him is he wasn't getting a ton of carries. So the, the fantasy owner that was paying close attention was already sort of suspect on him, right? But then when you have him as a guy now that's been injured for a couple of weeks and you kind of like you have that sort of here we go again um, kind of mindset taking over, I think that that plays well into into people that are trying to buy low on Carson because he's coming back, but you have to do this now because if he comes in and I really think that with all the turnovers from Russell Wilson lately, I really believe Pete Carroll is going to revert back to let's run the hell out of the ball and take some pressure off Russell, even though he's great. It's just that when you don't have a great offensive line and you and you're a pass first offense all the time, that's difficult. That's a difficult ask for your quarterback, for any quarterback. So I think Chris Carson once he's healthy, will be in for a much bigger workload than he's seen in the entire season, um, especially as a runner. I think his pass catching volume will, you know, might take a slight dip, but he's still their best pass catching running back. So I think right now is a really good time to buy a guy like Chris Carson because, again, as the weather gets cold and and uh, fantasy owners right now are a little bit annoyed at the fact that he's been hurt again he's missed some games and he's costing you so you're angry let's take advantage of that emotion from those owners and let's buy Chris Carson low all right this guy might be my favorite guy on the buy low list and that's Miles Sanders so the only thing preventing Miles Sanders from being a top three or top five fantasy running back is touches 
That's it. That's the only thing. And um, I think that has to change. And I think Doug Peterson, it would be blind if he doesn't see that because over the last three games, Miles Sanders has played, which is weeks five, six, and 10. The guy has 35 carries for 283 yards and two touchdowns. That's over eight yards per carry. Okay. That 35 carries is not good enough for him. Like, for over three games, right? So I just think that, especially when you look at last week against the Giants, they lost again. Carson Wentz threw it almost 40 times and they averaged like eight yards of carry on the ground between Sanders and Boston Scott. So I just think Miles Sanders has big playability. He, they need to take some pressure off their quarterback and the run, the offensive line may not be great in terms of pass protection right now, but it's pretty good in run blocking. So I just think that, I expect a strong finish similar to what we saw from Miles Sanders over the back half of of 2019 of last year. So I think that getting him now could be huge because I honestly believe he could, it would not surprise me if he was the RB one from this point on over the, over the second half of this season. So I think that getting Miles Sanders now is a very wise move and I would hop on that ASAP. All right. Last or no. Second to last guy on my buy low list is uh, Robbie Anderson, Panthers wide receiver. So he was actually on my buy low list a few, I mean, like several weeks ago, I think maybe four or five weeks ago. And obviously that sucks if you bought him then, because who could have foreseen this kind of a dip in production where over the first five games, he was averaging 98 yards a game. um, And over over the second five game stretch, he's only averaged 56 and a half. So that's obviously, you know, not what you were buying if you bought him a few weeks ago. But I think the best part right now is if you didn't get him, is especially if Teddy Bridgewater is to miss a game this week against a, a low-key, pretty good Detroit Lions defense that just aren't good all the time, but they are a good defense most of the time. Um, they, uh, I think right now, especially, let's, like I said, if Teddy was able, if Teddy misses this game, Robbie probably won't have a big game. Detroit's corners are pretty good. And I think that that will even make him more of a value. So I'm I'm on the lookout for Robbie. Keep an eye on Teddy's status. Maybe throw out an offer for him um, late in the week on like Saturday, you know, something like that. And then have the the owners probably going to say, let me think about it. You know, we'll do this for next week. And then if Robbie comes out and puts up a dud, you might even want to decrease your offer at that point, right? And just just see if you can get them even even cheaper. And um, I think that just that kind of thing, when you put the thought in the owner's head before, the, right before the game, and then you you have the owner watch his player, Robbie Anderson, put up a dud, and then look at that offer every time he opens up his fantasy thing, and he sees that offer sitting there looking at him. I think that's a that's something that we could potentially work out well for us. I think it would take advantage of uh, honestly, Robbie Anderson. We've seen has legitimate wide receiver one potential, uh, and he's done it in this offense. So we've seen him do it now, and he's only got one touchdown this season. So I think that we can safely expect even if we don't get the insane volume over nine targets a game that he was receiving over the first five games, I think that it, um, we will get more touchdowns and, you know, so maybe he can meet in the middle and give us some more touchdowns. I think that's, that's low end wide receiver one territory. So I think there's definitely a profit to be had there. If you purchase a uh, guy like Robbie Anderson right now. And then last guy on my list is a guy that look, when I say buy low, I mean, buy low on this guy specifically, but on all these guys, really. 
is uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair, another guy I was not big on, you know, in terms of just he wasn't in my top 10 uh, fantasy running backs preseason. But he's a guy that, look, we've seen he has the talent, right? I mean, he was really playing well for the most part of the season. And then we've seen over the last three games since Le'Veon Bell has been signed, we've seen a significant uh, drop off in just his overall snap share. Like he's only playing 50% of the snaps or less in some weeks. So I think that Clyde will have better days, but I think that there, there is a little more risk associated with this, with this particular player right now because of Le'Veon Bell's presence that you that you're gonna want to be a little careful with, but I do think that you should act now if you're interested in, in uh, trading for Clyde because this week could be a huge game for him. Patrick Mahomes was 21 out of 40 against the Raiders in the first time they played, and I, I just don't think that Andy Reid is gonna come out and and throw it 40 plus times again. I think he's gonna revert to their you know pretty good run game like when when teams have have dedicated themselves to stopping Patrick Mahomes like the Raiders did the first time they played and the Bills did you know the Chiefs have shown they can run the ball they just chose not to do it last time against the Raiders for whatever reason but look this guy if he just gets a little bit more volume we're talking about a really talented running back in arguably the best offense in football with you know somebody like Andy Reid so the reason I say you have to buy now is because I think him and Le'Veon Bell could be guys that both go off this week. So we want to go ahead and make sure, you know, because I'd still want to buy low on him. Uh, right now, I think his his value is is relatively low in comparison to where it could get to. And I think there's an easy profit to be had if you pay the right price for him. All right. Now let's move on to my sell highs. Um, okay. So there's this guy for the Atlanta Falcons. His name is Todd Gurley. He is getting a awesome he's getting awesome volume like let, let me just say that as a positive for Todd Gurley I mean the guy has had 18 or more carries in five games this season but here's the problem with that he has not averaged even three yards a carry in any of those games none of them all in the two you know two range to even lower so that's not good. But what's saving him and why I say he should sell high is because his value is relatively high right now because he has nine rushing touchdowns. And that's that has unsustainably inflated the perception of him right now. You know, if you're looking at like if you're trying to sell Gurley, just say, dude, he's he's literally an RB1 or, or high end RB2 this year. You know, he's got nine touchdowns. He's getting this volume like, you know, he's probably going to play better as the season goes on. Right. I'm not so sure about that. I actually think Brian Hill is someone that we need to have on our rosters because I liked him coming out when, of uh, the draft. I remember scouting him, and when I was scouting Brian Hill, I noticed that this quarterback on his team launched an absolute dime from like 70 yards out or something, and I was like, who's that guy? It was Josh Allen. So I, I remember really taking a liking to Brian Hill just because I – that's where I kind of first discovered Josh Allen. I had no idea who he was. And then I realized that he was a guy that was going into the draft the following year. So anyways, um, I think Brian Hill has some talent. I think Brian Hill has been a far more efficient running back. I think Brian Hill at this point in his career can do pretty much everything Todd Gurley can. And I think that the Falcons from a, you know, sort of rebuilding standpoint are going to want to get the younger talented player on the field more. And look, Todd Gurley just hasn't been, a very efficient player. And I just don't think that a team that is not going to make the playoffs is going to want to continue to just, you know, 
give him a 20 plus carries a game. So I think that Todd Gurley right now, especially fresh off the bye week, you say, Hey man, he is, he's been a legit high end RB two. He's got nine touchdowns. He's getting 18, 20 carries a game. You know, give me Joe Mixon for him. I think that would be a huge win, right? Somebody like that. So sell Todd Gurley while you can. And while his value is at pretty much an all time high. Also, I think that the, the, the fact that he just had his bye week is something that that's like you paying a player his his uh bonus his roster bonus like the like the rams did with brandon cooks we're like look we'll pay his roster bonus just you know give us a second round pick for him like all right fine you know it worked out for for both sides and that and that's in that case especially the rams of course but yeah i think todd Gurley is a, is a really good sell high candidate right now all right another one mike evans um so in my opinion at least in terms of volume, he is the number three receiver on his team right now. And obviously he's going to, he's a guy that, that has significant upside on a weekly basis because on the weeks where he gets eight, nine, 10 targets, like he could potentially go absolutely ape shit crazy and have like 150 yards and three touchdowns. Like that could happen because he is a red zone monster and they're, they are using him wisely as that. Okay, here's the issue. Look, I mean, here's the uh, the the selling point. It's Mike Evans. You know, he is the number one wide receiver on a very good offense. Like, look at all these touchdowns. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, that's kind of the sort of that. That's kind of your selling point. I mean, it's Mike Evans. He sells himself. Certain players with a name like that, they sell themselves, right? And he's been good, you know, for the most part of this season. So. I think selling him now would be wise because I don't think anyone's really looking at Antonio Brown the same way I am in terms of like a guy that's going to be a legit fantasy wide receiver one or high end two. So in my opinion, the volume is going to look like Godwin and AB are going to be a 1A, 1B on a weekly basis. And Mike Evans is going to be kind of that that two slash three guy, pretty much the third guy in line in terms of volume. So I think I'm big on volume and I think that that, um, you know, I think that he's just the perfect guy to sell right now. Just get him off your roster. You don't want to do that. And and for guys that tell me they have Mike Evans and Antonio Brown, don't you dare even think about selling Antonio Brown. You sell Mike Evans. All right. All right. Number three on, on the sell list is uh, a guy that I believe was on my, one of my last, maybe one or two sell lists, but he's a guy that I think that I need to reemphasize, um, selling him now because you want to do it while you still can get value, right? And that's Will Fuller. So your argument for selling him is make the season long case. Like he's the wide receiver 14 on the season, you know, and, and he's like 15 in points per game. But if you look closely, you'll see what I'm worried about with Fuller. And that is he, in the um, two of the last three games, he's basically put up duds. You know what I mean? Like he, he's three for 30, two for 20, something like that. I thought I had it here, but I don't. Um, but basically, he's put up duds. That's what I don't like about him. And that's why, in my opinion, you don't want a guy like this on your roster come playoff time. Like, you don't want to be a playoff team starting Will Fuller uh, in any capacity, in my opinion. Because while he does have the upside to go for 7 for 150 and two scores, he also could very easily, especially if it's a tough matchup, I haven't looked at his playoff schedule, but if he has a tough matchup in playoff time, don't even think about it. You know what I mean? He's just way too boomer bust for me. Um, if you have a very high floor team and, and you know you want to keep him in that case, I guess you could. But for me, even though he's clearly their wide receiver one, I'd still 
look to uh, go ahead and turn that into some value while you still can. Like, for example, if you could trade Will Fuller for Tyler Boyd right now, I would do that. So just my thoughts. All right, number four guy on the sell list is Ronald Jones. Rojo had a 98-yard run last week and a huge overall game last week, but last week, but we cannot, we should not ignore the fact that he played fewer than 50% of the snaps in each of the three previous games. And the fact that he, you know, with all due respect, he has stone hands. The guy is not a reliable pass catcher. And I think that that's kind of what's hurting his snap counts or what it has in the, in games this season has hurt his snap counts. Cause we all know Tom Brady wants to throw the football to the running backs. Like, you know, at least a little bit. So um, like I said, previous two games had seven carries and three carries. So it's tough to trust him. And after a game, like what he had last week against the Panthers, where what, I think he had almost 200 yards rushing, I mean, could there be a more perfect moment to sell high? I'm not sure there could be. All right. And number five, the fifth and final player on my sell high list is going to be a controversial one, a controversial player for a lot of you guys. And I think a lot of you are even going to go as far as to say that I was wrong about this player. So now I am, you know, basically trying to kind of root against him. It's not the case. Okay. It's Alvin Kamara. Um, I know controversial, but. And I'm not saying you necessarily should sell Kamara right now, but what I am saying, I'm making the case that you could sell him right now and then it could really, really work out well. Kamara is a guy that, I mean, if you if you trade Alvin Kamara right now, you are going to get legitimate a, re, a legitimate return on that asset, right? Um, he's been awesome in terms of just fantasy production, but let me make the case as to why... I would sell him right now if I, I mean, of course, like I'm saying, guys, you know, like I was saying about the buy lows earlier, only buy low if you can buy low, right? Don't even think about trading Alvin Kamara just because I'm saying to trade Alvin Kamara. You should only trade him if you can get outrageously nice return. Okay, that's number one. But let me make the case. Last two games, from a rushing, running the ball standpoint, Alvin Kamara has 17 carries for 55 yards, but he has three touchdowns, right? So that's kind of the, the thing with him is like he's not always going to have, he's almost never going to have, excuse me, high volume in terms of his uh, rushing attempts, but he will as a receiver, so it kind of makes up for it. And even if he doesn't get it as a receiver, he he's been able to, you know, like I said, three rushing touchdowns in the last two games. So three rushing touchdowns on 17 carries. So that's my thing. How long? Because he's been consistently like at his peak all season long. I don't even know if he's had one bad game. So how long can we expect that type of play? Because, and I know what you're thinking right now, well, we've seen it all season and yet yeah. But we've also seen Alvin Kamara over the last year and a half, over two years stretch now, other than this year, but the previous like 20 games or so, we've seen a guy that has gone into real um, dips in terms of his touchdown production. And when that happens, when we've seen that happen, he drops down to like a 15 to 17 range running back, top 15, 17, even some cases top 20 right? Especially if you're not in a PPR league. So um, I just think that, you know, the value you can potentially get in return for Alvin Kamara is insane. 
And I think that it's not crazy to think that there will be some touchdown um, decrease in, in some manner, right? Especially when you consider Michael Thomas is back. Drew Brees is gone. Jameis Winston has not historically force-fed running backs the way that Drew Brees will, especially at, at this point in Drew Brees' career. There's a decent chance it could be Jameis Winston for here on out, you know, for the, or at least for uh, several games. And, you know, it's also like Kamara has seen a decline in usage, right? He's actually played a season low in snaps in each of the last two games, fewer than 40 snaps in each of the games. So, like, he's not playing many snaps, but he's never has, right? It's okay. And then now he has a quarterback with a gigantic arm. And I really think that that will lead to fewer catches. And then Michael Thomas is going to score touchdowns. So that will probably mean fewer touchdowns for Alvin Kamara. And I really believe that you could get someone like you could get Christian McCaffrey and, you know, like Keenan Allen or something like that. You know, you could really get that kind of return on Alvin Kamara, but if you sell him right now, but if you wait and we see, you know, two games where Jameis Winston force feeds Mike Thomas and Kamara only has like four catches and no touchdowns and like nine carries, because I could totally see Sean Payton getting into a super pass heavy, uh, pass heavy approach with Jameis Winston, especially as the season progresses, as he gets that confidence in Jameis. Um, and I could see Kamara really being like the RB 14 for the rest from, from now to the rest of the season. I could see that happening. Right. So I'm not saying Kamara's trash. I'm not trying to, you know, justify why I was low on him, but I, but when I look at it, this is my honest belief. Like there's a real chance that you could potentially, you know, save your season essentially, because if your team is really good and you have Alvin Kamara on it, you are basically saying, if you, if you keep him, you're basically saying, I fully expect a guy to basically finish with like 25 to 30 touchdowns on the season or something ridiculous. If you, if he sustains the pace he's on, he would have like, you're betting on a historically great season to happen for all 16 games. And I just, you know, chances are, and I like to just play the odds, right? Like it's not, I'm not saying it's a certainty and I don't think he'll be bad, but chances are there will be some bit of a decline in his touchdown production because I don't think I'm almost, I'd pretty much bet anything that his volume will not increase from here. So the volume will either stay the same or go down like it's trending. And I think that it's, you know, a pretty reasonable chance that the touchdowns at least decrease in some way a little bit. So those are my thoughts on a Kamara. And that's what I've got for you guys today on the buy and sells. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. Give the podcast a share if you want to support Fair Shake Football. I appreciate you guys. I love you. I'll talk to you later.